Hey y'all, you're listening to the 1140 Glory Truths and Promises podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. SF Walters. Listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm so excited to be doing this thing called life with each of you. You might be wondering who I am, so I'll give you the quick version. I'm an assistant professor and PhD level health services researcher and author, check out the start of something glorious and the founder of 1140 Glory. And now you're probably wondering what 1140 Glory is all about anyways. Well, the 11 refers to the number of days that it should have taken the Israelites to make it out of the wilderness into the promised land, but instead it took them a whole 40 years. Yes. 40 years to see the glory that God had waiting for them. Why? Because of murmuring, complaining, complacency, a lack of trust, and most of all, disobedience. You see, we all have to journey through the wilderness to get to our glorious promised land. And that's what this podcast is all about, journeying together, learning from the scriptures to know God more, growing together to trust God greater, and remembering to obey God in spite of the season. It's time to get out of the wilderness and into the promised land, holding on to the truths, promises, and a God who is faithful enough to see us through and never leave our side. I'm so excited for this week's episode, so let's go ahead and dive on in. Hey, y'all, and welcome to this week's episode of the Truth and Promises podcast. Today, we have another journey of faith story to share with you all, and I'm looking forward to diving into today's conversation with someone who is really near and dear to me, Dr. Lanise. So I'm going to allow this time for Dr. Lanise to go ahead and introduce herself and let you all know who she is, where she's from, what she's doing these days, and whatever else God places on her heart to share in her introduction. Go ahead. Well, bless you. Thank you so much, Prophetess Doc Walters. Very thankful for uh, just opportunity and just to even have an opportunity to be able to glean from the 1140 Glory platform. This is such a phenomenal. I'm often reminded of your conference you did a few years ago, which was so phenomenal. And I'm sure the people are going to be looking forward to when you get ready to start kicking back those in-person meetings again. Yeah, um, It was such a phenomenal time. So we just speak blessings over all that you're doing. And we thank God for you giving us this opportunity just to be able to share and bless the people of God during this season. So I'm always thankful. But a little bit about myself. Um, you know, I'm originally born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I often like to say that I was born in Pittsburgh, but I was raised in Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> As the, the Collier's apostles, Emory and Leslie Collier, really raised me up and strengthened my heart through all the different things I went through in life. And they really took me in as, as a daughter and the ministry. So I'm very thankful for that. But, um, you know, I, I would say probably who am I? <laughs> That's always a question that is like, you know, a, a struggle for a lot of people to answer. A lot of time they identify who they are with their job, their profession or degrees and whatnot. But I would just say that I am a woman of God, a woman that loves God, a married woman, a woman that loves the people of God, that I am uh, a prophetess, 
that I love prophesying, that I am an apostle of the gospel, that I am an assessor, and I am a lover of Jesus. So if I can sum all those things up, I would say I'm a servant of God, given an opportunity to be able to minister the gospel. So um, that's who I am, who I am. Right now where I'm at in terms of ministry, I've had some um, awesome opportunities that have arose in the last actually few months, but I actually been ministering now for a little over 20 plus years. A lot of people don't know that about me, but I've been moving in the prophetic a little over 20 years and getting training. I'm always in school, in the school of the prophets. I'm not that super prophet. Some people think they super prophet. It's not a such person, but I'm always in school, always learning, always growing. Me and my husband, we've been blessed. We have a, a network called Iron Tribe Network of Apostolic and Prophetic Ministries where we've raised up apostles and pastors. And we had our first ordination class last year through a 15-month training program. A lot of these leaders have their own networks, their own ministries across the world and other parts of the United States and <clears throat> Carousel, Netherlands. So we've been expanding, doing some things, some apostolic work, pushing people out and forward. And uh, so those are some things we're doing. We do, we train in the apostolic, we train in the prophetic, and those have been some phenomenal opportunities. So I train and push out and birth out other people. That's one of my sphere of influence is pushing out other people, helping them birth the calling and giftiness on their life and encouraging them in the in this walk. Because a lot of times due to life issues, what I'm learning in the body of Christ, a lot of people don't really know who they are and they struggle with their identity and they get caught up in comparison. They also get caught up in a lot of things they went through in their childhood that uh, really you know, stifle their growth for them to be able to see who they are. So they don't recognize themselves as kings and priests. And so I think it's real important foundationally for you to know that you're a king and that you're a priest. When you know that, I mean, that's for every believer. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be operating none of the fivefold ministry. All right. But if you know you're a king and a priest, all right, because that's what the scripture says, then you can move in a dimension that God has called you to move in. So I think those are real important. And I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit. Dr. Uh, Walters and I, we have a thing in common. We have doctor degrees. So that means we stay busy teaching. And so I taught in higher education for 16 years. I still teach in higher ed part-time as an adjunct professor. I retire as associate professor a couple years ago, just one more year from full professor. My dad took very ill. I was working at a university and, and still work there um, in Tennessee. And so I had to um, begin to relocate back closer to home to take care of my father. So a lot of people were like, oh my God, you could have just held out one more year. But you know, the Lord the Lord um, impressed upon me because I love what the scripture says, if you obey your mother and father, your days will be lengthened. So it was an opportunity for me to kind of get my mind off of work because I was a workaholic and mm -hmm. to go do what God's called me to do as the only child to my father and help take care of him. And I'm glad I did that because I got that solid year. If I would have stayed that extra year, I would have missed time with my father because he later on went to be with the Lord with a little later over over the course of that year I was with him like a year and a half later he went to be with the Lord so I'm glad I got that solid time and went home so we got to be willing and obedient so that we can eat the good of the land and obey because I would have lived a life of regret in that particular area because actually to be quite candid 
with everyone that's going to be listening. When my mom went to be with the Lord, I remember I was very young, energetic in my mid twenties, excited. And I was coaching basketball, doing very good at my high school, teaching and coaching. And my mom took very ill. My basketball team was undefeated. We was knocking off teams. We was all (laughs) excited. And I just remember just wanting to get back so bad with my team and winning. And I remember taking off for a whole month and I took off for a month to help my mom. She was very, very ill. And I remember the doctor told me not to leave, but I had my mind. I was so into my career and I got to get back home and help this team. And my mom went to be with the Lord. The Lord told me when I walked out the hospital, he said, this will be the last time you'll see her. But you know, how sometimes you try to second guess yourself like, no, nah, I ain't hear that. Not what I heard. <laughs> you don't ever want to hear those words. You yeah. know what I mean? So I just, I heard it. I knew it was from God, but I didn't want to receive it. So I got on the road because I was eight hours away. I hit the road about eight o'clock that night and I got home. I got in the bed and before I can get even comfortable, the nurse called and said, your mom just, she just left. And so, you know, God gave me a second opportunity. So I laid my career down. All right. To go forth and do what God's called me to do. So just, you know, I'm currently still in education. I still, like I said, I still work part-time and actually I got hired as a director of academics at a K through eight school, but because of the pandemic, um, unfortunately they had a very low, we had a very low shortage of teachers. So it's really funny, but I'm in a classroom teaching first grade right now. I've been teaching it since August. I never thought I would be doing that, but I thank God I'm not too high to go teach first grade. I thank God that I understand, you know, purpose. And I'm telling you, when I look into these little kids' eyes, I think of my second grade teacher, Miss Miller, that used to look in my eyes every day and say, Lenise, one day you're going to do something so great. So I get an opportunity to make an investment in little kids' lives. And I know they'll always remember me. And so um, I get it. I just love it. I love the place I'm at. I love my husband. Yay. Uh, we've been married a little <laughs> two years. Yeah, we've been married a little two. We're still newlyweds. I know you can relate with that, Dr. Walters. Yeah. So <laughs> celebrated February 1. We just felt celebrated our second year. I waited. I didn't get married till I was 46 years old. And so, you know, I was in school, I was grinding, I was traveling, I was, you know, coaching basketball, I was working on master's degree, doctor degree, it was just so busy. So I'm thankful that I have time to know what it is to let someone love me. And so it's been really good. It helps me in ministry as well. Because, you know, when you pour out a lot, it's nice to be able to when you get done to just put your head on your husband's shoulders and on his chest and just breathe and relax. So yeah. I'm thankful for that season of life that I'm in. So I hope that kind of sums up your first Yeah. One. I mean, there is so much richness that God has allowed to exist in your life. And I know this from our own personal relationship, just listening to you describe who you are and, and sort of your journey until now. And I am really excited for our listeners to be able to dive into what you have to share today. So for our listeners, if you don't know the premise behind these journey of faith stories, it's to have real conversations about our journeys and God's glory, his faithfulness and his never ending love. During these talks, I invite our guests like Dr. Lanise uh, to share whatever God has placed on their hearts in this season, as long as it encourages us to walk by faith, live in victory. And above all else, as we say here at 1140, obey God, because that's the number one thing that we have to do. So I like to start these 
conversations, of course, by asking what's one of your favorite truths or promises that we can find in the scripture and where can we find it? Yes, I tell you, I don't know. This is not, some people don't really like this scripture as much as I do, but it's been a blueprint for my life. I've went through a lot of hardships and still do endure a lot. A lot of people, they see the smiling, the, the, you know, the motivational grace on my life and all of that. But this anointing, this call has definitely cost me and it's, I'm still paying for it. Like all of us as a Christian, you know, if you're a Christian, okay, you either, I, I like my best friend, what she said, Vicki Mosley, she said something that was so phenomenal one day. She said, you either about to enter a storm you are, or you're either in the middle of a storm or you are actually about to exit a storm. And that is like the cycle of a Christian. You know what I mean? And so it's how we process the storm, though. All right. What I'm learning is how we process the storm dictates how long we're going to stay in the storm. So with that being said, my my favorite scripture that I stand on all that I since I've been a believer is always uh, resided with me is in Romans 8 and 18. And I'll read it here in the in the uh, King James Version. It says, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time will not be compared to the glory of the Lord, which will be revealed in us. The suffering of this present time, which will not be compared with the glory of the Lord. I like to amplify it as well. It says, for I consider from the standpoint of faith, come on somebody, <laughs> that the suffering of this present life are not worth to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed in us and in us. Mm. That's just something else. There's so much to extrapolate from that scripture, but that's been my scripture because when I'm in a tough season or I'm either going in a tough season or if I'm either coming out of one, mm. all right, I'm always got my, I always got my mind on the glory. I'm all, my mind is like, this too shall pass. It won't always be like this. And this goes along with your 1140 glory. You know what I mean? Even though it's related to the, the promised land. And, you know, if, if we're going to take 11 days or 40 days to come out, but that, that, that is very, very applicable for this discussion, because this, even in scripture, even as I'm talking now, because the real truth is a lot of times our suffering, how long we're going to stay in it has a lot to do with how we process. Are we going to complain while we're in it? Are we going to curse the process? A lot of times people don't like to be processed in the suffering. A lot of times the suffering, God is trying inside of the suffering. He's trying to mature us and do a work inside of us. And really how long we decide to stay in there complaining and our willingness to grow is, is dictated about how long we going to be in that process. And so I think all of that correlates with your 1140 as well but that's my that's been my favorite scripture like I said it's not one of the favorites of most but it's the favorite of mine because I love it because it gives a promise it talks about the real truth that we go through as a Christian but it also gives us a solution and I love that because God is a God of Beth Anna the word Beth is a Hebrew word for house and Anna is a Hebrew word for replies and answers God is a God of answers and replies so if he puts you through something he's going to process you through he's going there's an answer in the end of it. There's an end of the matter of that. All right. And you may have to go through something else, but you're in a process. All right. So I'm thankful that we serve a God that is a God that answers that we live in a house that is people of God. This is our house or earthly vessel that we dwell in a house. And because we dwell in a house, all right, our temple, that there's an answer. And guess what? Most of the time we know the answers in the word, but the answer is also in us. Mm. We can pluck it out. So yeah. yeah. 
Now, I love that. I love this scripture. This is actually one of the core scriptures for 1140 glory. So when we talk about the promised land or when we talk about glory, we're not just talking about the promised land. We're also talking about our inheritance to the kingdom, which is Romans 8 and 17. But then we also talk about our purpose, which is which God gave me Romans 8. 18 through 19 for that one. And that scripture really stuck out to me as I was getting my master's degree and carried me through a lot of my doctorate degree, because it just reminded me like, this thing is hard. Like getting this degree is hard, but this suffering doesn't compare to the glory that will be revealed at the end of this process, that which God has placed on the inside of me. So I'm really excited that you're talking about the scripture because we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. And, you know, I want to know how did you stand on this promise through your wilderness seasons? Yeah, yeah. That is just so important. Uh, to be honest with you, it's very simple. I don't have anything very revelatory or deep. Mm-hmm. Prayer and praise. You know, praise is a weapon. Okay, just praising my way through because I, I came to understand something that, that the seasons of your life they change. There's a time and there's a season. And so I may be in a, you know, a tough season. I'm talking collectively to people right now. All right. But we know that this too shall pass. This season will always be like that. And so I just basically through praise and through prayer. Of course, there's some other things through accountability, getting around people that can stand with me during tough seasons, trusted believers that can handle my pain. Come on, somebody. It's important because everybody can't handle your pain. You know, unfortunately, when people see you a certain way, especially when they always see you winning, they don't know they don't know what's behind the win. Come on. It's just like in <laughs> athletics. All right. Listen, you might see them win the national championship, but there's something that took place behind the win. There's yeah. something that there's some endurance. There's some struggle. There's some building. There's some, you know, building of muscles. There's some endurance. There's some cardio work. There's some natural things they had to do to get to that win. You know, I love it. When I understand, when I come to an understanding in my mind that this won't always be like that. So the way I went through, even and stood in different tough seasons and weathered through and standing on the promises of God is just remembering this too shall pass. It won't always be like this. So my perspective now, and when I'm in tough situations, I'm always looking at myself like, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this? Even when I know, it, you know, sometimes we blame, we blame the devil for everything. You know, now we know that some things are the devil, like God ain't going to put no sickness on nobody and all of those different things. Okay. But there are some things, all right, this is like Job. God said, consider my servant. There are some things that even though we're going through, it's a matter of how we process it while we're in it, as I mentioned earlier. So that's one of the things I would say that, you know, keeps me to know that, uh, uh, hey, and then, you know, I'm not the only one going through. Sometimes people think they're the only one <laughs> that's going through. There's other people that went before me, endured the same journey, and they came out successful if they follow God's blueprint. And his blueprint is one, his word, you know, the Holy Spirit, his word, and making sure we keep, we be led by the spirit. And also train your spirit, all right? Because I like it. You know, when you're when your spirit is trained, when you train your spirit, you t- God begins to teach your hands how to war. He gives you strategies on how to win in seasons and how to win strategically through prayer, how to pray, how to hear from heaven and asking God. A lot of times we go in prayer, we got our prayer list, but a lot of times we should just go and sit and say, God, give me the strategy 
on how to win through, how to pray through this situation. Mm -hmm. Show me how do you want me to pray, whether you want me to pray in tongues, whether you want me to charge angels, whether you want me to begin to decree and declare, whether you want me to begin to just praise or dance, you know, there's different tools, all right? Maybe there's a scripture that talks about even the ministry of groaning. There's sometimes you go through some things that are so deep and hard. The Lord just say, there's, you know, they just go in the spirit of groaning and without utterance, there's just things you can do to win through prayer. So I just use my tools. Yeah. When you say train your spirit, can you break that down a little bit more of what that looks like, how you do that? Yeah. You train your spirit through, through some practical things. One by the word of God, you get in a word and you begin to train your spirit by getting the word in you. To be honest with you, like, this is one thing I learned even about the prophetic, the more I'm stronger in my word, the more accurate I notice I even get prophetically. So you train your spirit by learning how to, you know, to get in the word of God and begin to study the scriptures, begin to eisegete and exegete the scriptures, begin to move in revelation. God begins to teach you how to war, teach your hands how to war. That's part of, of training. You know, when you, you go to war, there's a training that you need to take place. And so you're training your spirit and also you're training your spirit to be able to hear the voice of God. That's probably the most important. And how do we hear the voice of God through the word of God? All right. And sometimes training your spirit is quieting your spirit. There's a a lot of ways you can train your spirit. I call it the technology of heaven. That means that you're able to go and hear what is going on in heaven. What is God saying in this season of, of my life so that I can begin to train my spirit on how to win through the victory. So a lot of it has to do with settling yourself to get in the word, all right, studying the scriptures, studying Hebrew, studying Greek, resting in the word, all right? And also silencing yourself to hear what is God is saying, what, to hear the voice of God, what the direction of God, so that you can get the wisdom of God and the direction. You know, there is a benefit. Psalms 103, it talks about the benefits, all right? Jesus already paid for, I call it the benefit package, all right? He didn't just pay for us to, you know, for us to plan a salvation, but that plan, it comes with healing, wealth, prosperity, long life, peace of mind. It comes with a lot of different things. It also comes with miracles, signs, wonders. It's born again believers, Dr. Fairshaw Walters. We should be moving. Miracles should be a regular part of what we see happen. Okay. And so miracles, signs, wonders, gifts of healing. We should see these things on a regular basis, but we won't understand that until we understand that we're a king. I love first Samuel eight. Um, in verse nine, verse nine says, therefore hearken unto the voice, how about yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that they shall reign over them. Let me just teach for 30 seconds, if you don't mind. Israel, Israel rejected the direct rulership of God. Israel wanted to have a king like the heathen nation around them. So God gave them the desires of their heart (laughs) by giving them a natural man as a king. You'll notice, however, that Samuel was instructed to tell them the manner of the king. The word manner is a Hebrew word, mispath, M-I-S-H- P-A-T, Mishpat. This word means ordinance, law, measure. All right. In other words, Samuel was instructed to define the office of the king and his attributes. First Samuel 10, 25 says, then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book. I like that. And laid it up 
before the Lord. So he listened, he told on the manner, he wrote it in a book and he gave it up to the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away and every man to his house. Again, we see that Samuel wrote out the manner of the king as well as the kingdom. This turns out to be his written description of the office and every aspect of the office of a king. See, we are royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has called us to be kings and priests. And if you don't understand that we all stand in the office of a king or priest, I'm talking collectively to the people who listen, you'll always struggle. Wondering who you are, what are you supposed to be doing? What's my purpose? But as a born again believer, we're all kings and priests. If you'll notice, the scripture says he laid it up before the Lord. This means this office will forever be established. That means you will forever establish those who are listening to be a king and a priest. All right. He laid it up before the Lord, along with, with all of his ordinance, as it is written in the scripture. So we see later that the office of the king was enfolded into the life of every believer, everyone listening today. You are a king. You are a priest. All right. And so it is now up to us as believers to walk as kings. And if you don't know that, you'll always struggle in life. You'll always be wondering, what should I be doing? Who am I? All right. The scripture says also in Revelations 1 and 6, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So when we talk about, all right, walking into who we're called to be and in establishing and training our spirit. You got to know another prerequisite of training your spirit is knowing that you a king and you a priest because then you can go boldly to the throne of grace. All right, knowing that you stand in that particular office. I love also knowing that we are priests. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not saying I got this I got this Dr. Walters early and easy on. I wish I would have known this stuff like maybe about a good, Definitely 20 years ago, I wish I knew right. further on. Okay. It, you know, once I begin to understand that I am a king, I am a priest. I didn't call myself. I didn't appoint myself. I didn't ordain myself. I'm called by God. I'm a believer, yeah. regardless of without any title of the prophetess, apostle, none of those things, without any of those things. This is who God called me to be because I accepted him in my life as my Lord and my savior. So that is applicable for everybody that's listening. You a king. Get that in your spirit. You a priest. Genesis 14, 18 said, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, bought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the most high God. Oh God, I love this. The basic office of the priest is this long before the establishment of the Levitical priesthood. The first so-called priest we see in scripture was Melchizedek. Scripture does not give us very much insight on how Melchizedek executed his office beyond what we read about with regard to his encounter that he had with Abraham. We do see, however, the first time that was given, and we also see foreshadow of the death and burial of Jesus Christ. Both the bread and the wine foreshadows the sacrifice and the death of Jesus Christ. And that, that, I'm not going to get into that, but that can be found in Genesis 14 and 20. Matter of fact, let me read this real short and blessed be the, the high God who handles your enemies over to you. Abram, give him a tenth of all the recovered plowing. This gets into talking about the tithe. In this scripture passage, we see the inception of the tithe. Here we find no further insight listed about the function of Melchizedek, as I mentioned earlier, in his priestly office. But we do receive further revelation concerning the office as it unfolds into the life of the New Testament believer. I'm talking to those of you who are listening. This is for you, you New Testament believer, you who said you believed, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and um, Savior, all right? This re uh, revealed truth is recorded in the book of Hebrews, all right. The book of Psalms also gives us a little bit of insight. All right. Psalms 110 and 4 says the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Come on, somebody. 
Think about that. I mean, that right there is, is something. Uh, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Yeah. He ain't make a decree. All right. Mm-hmm. Thou art the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek means the function of the office. We again, um, we gain insight from this Hebrew word, Debra. All right. Which also, you know, when you think about Deborah in the Bible, she right. set up under a tree, the tree of Deborah, and she began to give ordinance and give laws. That's just some side you know, information. Her her name is very symbolic too, with order, law, governance. All right. And so Hebrews chapter seven and 20, 21 says for those priests were made with an oath. But this, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. My goodness. So check this out. And he became a priest with the oak. Others became a priest without an oak. Yeah. And that's who God says we are. Yeah. So if you look back in Hebrews 7 and 4, it says, just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of his tithe. Mm. And we have that anointing, Dr. Walters, inside of us. Yeah. Come on, somebody. No, that's so In the good. above verse, we learn so much. We're mm. a king and we're a priest. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. There is just so much to sit with that. And, you know, even as I hear you speaking and saying these sort of confirmations of who you are. I I think back to the 1140 conference where at one point you said, you know, every morning you should wake up prophesying, looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself who you are. So hopefully in the show notes, we'll be able to add some of those things for folks to look at themselves every morning in the mirror and say, I am a king. I am a priest. I know who I am because that is a part of training your spirit. And I I love that so much. That is so good. We'll be chewing on that for a while. (laughs) So tell me, what about uh, the 1140 story and meaning resonates with you and your journey? As I share with folks here on the podcast, 1140 is really about the 11 days it should have taken them, but the 40 years that they spent wandering in the wilderness. And we, we do shout a lot about getting out of the wilderness and getting into the promised land. But even a lot of the scriptures that you've referenced just in this past moment, were scriptures of them in the promised land, still struggling in a, in a proverbial wilderness, if you will. And so I, I'm just really curious, you know, um, in your life, in your journey, in your experience, have you experienced sort of that dichotomy of like going somewhere and it should be 11 days, but it's really taking you 40 years. And maybe you've learned how to turn that around and you have some advice on, on how to keep that thing moving instead of getting stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And that's very simple. I mean, I got quite a few incidents incidents or situations I can share, but I think the easiest one I can share is waiting on God for the right spouse. Mm. I did it for, for a long time. I didn't, as I said, I didn't get married till I was 46 years old. And that was a wilderness season for me. Mm. Okay. It was very tough. I was engaged a few times. I heard, you know, some people, you know, some people would have went on and married some of these other options that I had, mm. but it wasn't that these were bad people. All right. But there just wasn't that person that God wanted me to be share my life with, you know, but it was some ups and downs, you know, traveling, being by myself. I remember one time 
because I relocated a lot. I moved around a lot because of coaching college basketball and working on my degrees, going to three different universities or all out of state. All right. Actually, four different universities that were all out of state. Virginia, one, Tennessee, another one and Virginia, Tennessee and Florida, another one. So it was very, very, you know, I moved around a lot. And that one was in Pennsylvania when I first started out. So I remember one time I was moving. This this is so this is correlates with, with your question. And I remember all three people that promised to help me move the day of the move. It's like, they, it was like, and they all, they all didn't three, they know each other, but it's like, I feel like they had a conversation and said, let's, let's all go out to lunch today. Forget helping this girl out. And this was about maybe this was actually exactly uh, 18 years ago. It was in 2003. And I remember moving in my apartment and I, I kept getting called the three people that said they were going to help. They all called me and canceled. And I remember sitting there saying, Lord, I just wish I had a husband. I got all this stuff to move. My mom had, you know, been deceased for about maybe two years about that time, two to three years. So I still had a lot of her stuff in the storage. I still had my own place, my own materials, my own stuff. And I had all this stuff to do with no help. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there. I got the U-Haul. I got the biggest U-Haul you can rent parked outside. I'm by myself trying to figure out how to do this with no help. And I remember crying out to the Lord and I was like, Lord, you know, this, this right here now, you know, like this is, it's moments like that, that when you're single, I'm talking to singles now. All right. Um, I understand. All right. And let me tell you what I remember doing before I let myself go. And I was training my spirit guys before I let myself go too far. Cause you're, you, you can go into such a deep thought and be so mad you look up you mad with god you know what i mean at a moment that i don't have i didn't have time to be mad i need to get that stuff moved and i need to get in that truck and i needed to drive to virginia eight hours away and then i had to figure out who was going to help me unload it i did have somebody people were going to help me unload it but the process of getting there and i remember i took a little time i, I cried probably about four or five minutes prayed got on my knees and i just said lord please send me let me some help you know, I didn't even really know what I was saying. I didn't understand angels and their operation in, but I was like, I just need the angels. I need help. Sometimes you say things you don't even know, but that then later you find out they line up with scripture. And all I know, the Holy Spirit, I, I stood up, I said, Lord, what you want me to do? They said, just get started. So I started moving the light stuff. And this is 18 years ago. I was definitely way more stronger than I am now. All right. And so I was picking up heavy stuff, picking up light stuff, mostly the light stuff, mid heavy stuff. And I just kept moving. Two hours went past. I'm very exhausted. And I heard these steps come down. I was living in an apartment building and I heard this guy come down from the steps and he lived on the third floor, he and his wife. And he said, Lenise, are you moving out? I said, yeah. He said, oh man, I hate you leaving because I lived on the first floor. So I would see everybody when they came in and all. He said, that's interesting. He said, no, I've been noticing. I looked out the window a couple of times and I just see you doing all this by yourself. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm moving by myself. You know, a few people that was supposed to help me, things change. He said, he said, this is really God. He said, I'll be back. He went upstairs. He came back down with a change of clothes. He said, do you know, I've been working for the federal building for a little over two, 20 years now. He said, I've only taken off one time, he said, due to an emergency. But the Lord told me today when I woke up, take off, I want you to help somebody. I just oh, looked at him. He said, he said, he said, I'm coming to help. By this time, it's around noon. We got to working. And I'm telling me and this man, 
for about three hours. We got we got just about everything out. I mean, only thing we couldn't lift up was this big bulky TV. You guys remember them Old back in the TV. day? Yeah, the big <laughs> you know, the flat screens were they just taller, they're like five foot tall and and they big. And I mean, we you know, he and I, we could stroll it out, but we had it a little bit, but not at a safety way, a safe way. And we're standing there on the porch trying to figure out how to get this down these like steps because it was two layers of steps. So it was like six steps here. And then you go go walk the pathway, then six more steps. Gotcha. And this gentleman that lived next door, he he drunk, he was an alcoholic. Okay. And so most of the time when you saw him, he was wobbling drunk. All right. So he was coming up the street and he was wobbling drunk. All right. But he wasn't wobbling as bad as he typically is, but he was drunk. And we were standing there and I looked at him. And I said, Lord, what you want me to do? I don't want to. He said, ask him. And I said, I said, you know, I said, hey, sir, do you do you mind helping um, me move? He said, yeah, for $20, I'll get that down by myself. I said, you got $20. I'll give you $20. <laughs> so he helped us. We got that big bulky TV on that truck and I got all moved. But the interesting thing about that, check this out. Look at how this story went. It went from not having no help. Yeah. trusting God, getting moving on my own, somebody coming down the steps saying God told him to take off, helping me move. The man that was drunk, I looked at him while I was, while, when he got done, gave him the $20, Lord said, get him saved, Lenise. I said, oh, okay. I said, hey, do you believe in Jesus Christ? He said, I do, but you know, I've been, I'm all messed up. I don't, you know, God is mad at me. He went on this long story. I said, listen, just repeat after me this simple prayer. So the man got saved. Look at what happened. The day that started out so sad, so gloomy. They end up getting help. I end up getting help. Somebody got saved. So yes, when you talk about a wilderness season, I I have so many stories like that as a single woman traveling state to state by myself, not knowing nobody. God set me a family, let me meet people, people that love me, nurse me, and I could go on and on. But for the sake of time, I'm going to stop right there and just tell you that I, I know what it's like to be by yourself and be alone for a long time. And it wasn't until I would say probably roughly around about four years ago roughly four to five years ago, I just got so like, I got an understanding, Dr. Uh, Walters, how much God loved me. Mm. Like I got to like, like radical love. I was like, oh my God, you love me this much. Maybe it was about six years ago. I just came to a, I had a revelation. I never, I know God loved me, but I didn't realize how much he really loved me. And I got a, I was like, he loved me this much. Like, I was mad at myself for f- being fearful, mad at myself for <clears throat> not taking risks, mad at myself for the things God told me to do that I didn't do mm. because I was too nervous to do them or too fear. I got angry, like a righteous angriness to say, I am, I repent, Lord, for not receiving all of your love for me because of my own brokenness. And when I got a revelation of how much God loved me, man, I tell you, I was like, that is it. I'm not this fear stuff. I'm done. And then my, my soul began to get filled with his love. So that, that loneliness of wanting to be married and feeling like it never happened and going through that semi, some stages of, I can't say I went through a lot of depression, but I had some days where the spirit of depression would try to come on me and I had to fight and war through that, that stuff. It just went. And I heard people say this all the time. They said, I'm going to tell you when you're going to know when your husband come, because you're going you're gonna to be at a place where you'd be like, I don't, if, if I get married, okay. If I don't, it's, I'm still okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 
And literally, I used to be like, they crazy for saying all that silly stuff. But that was my that was my story. Like, mm-hmm. I love my husband. Of course, I, I, I'm glad I waited. I'll wait another 46 years for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thankful that I got filled with God's love before I got married, because I would have been trying to get something from my husband that I'm only supposed to get from God. Oh. So I just want to lead out with you guys right there that that wilderness season, it was better that I waited. It was better that I suffered. And all the ones I cried over because of the ones the Lord said, not so, and all that, all, it was worth it. I'm glad. I'm glad the scripture says that it, the suffering of this present time, it won't be compared with the glory of the Lord. That is amazing. I mean, usually I like to ask, are you living in a promised land right now? What is that like? But I feel like we can hear it already, already just the beauty of that. I know I was rejoicing when I was like, Dr. Lanise is getting married. (laughs) I was so excited. (laughs) I mean, I don't even, you know, I, I mean, it just, you know, you could be single so long. It's almost like, Lord, I don't know. It's almost like people couldn't believe I was married because I was single for so long, you know. And didn't y'all get married February 2020? Yeah, we got February 1, 2020. Yeah. And then you know everything shut down in March. And look at God. God was like, I'm not gonna let her go through this pandemic isolated on her own. (laughs) What that is so amazing because we me and my husband talked about, we talk about that often, you know, we'll just be like, wow, we got married right before the pandemic. Actually, we know now that pandemic was already lingering around, but it didn't start (laughs) spreading, but everything got shut down in March. You're exactly correct. And it was just amazing how God did that. Like, you know, was able to get our, you know, people together, bring people from all over and be able to have our wedding and go on our honeymoon. We went to Hawaii. So we made it before the country shut down where there was no Hawaii, none of those things. So it was just, it just was so, so awesome. So God's time. And I'm so thankful. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm jealous, but I might be a little <laughs> jealous. We never <laughs> made it on a real honeymoon. We still have not honeymooned yet, but we did a couple mini moons, which were fun, like hotel stays, but huh? we'll see. We're, we're still, we have a trip that we paid for to go to Hawaii. So hopefully we get there soon. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I encourage you to go. We went to Honolulu. Yeah, we ain't, I encourage you to go. It's just, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And as a matter of fact, I had told myself when we went to the, on the honeymoon, the last time I went to Hawaii before I got married, I told myself I was with my best friend and I looked at her. I said, girl, I love you. I said, but I do not want to be over here no more in Hawaii. Not unless I'm coming back with my husband, because this place is too romantic to be sitting there looking at one of your home girls like, hey, girl, let's go to the beach. I was like, no, nah, I want to be with my husband. <laughs> and so I'm thankful that I've been to Hawaii prior to that. I had been twice. So that was my third time. I thank God for that third time I went with my husband. So it was it was just awesome. It was so awesome. That's amazing. Well, as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you if you have any uh, sort of final and closing thoughts. And then, of course, we want to hear what else is popping in your life right now. How can we stay connected with you and and what's going on? Yeah, well, I just I think in in closing, I I would just tell people um, know that you're a king and know that you're a priest. I mean, you can get that in your heart. 
and know that you are king and a priest. It just makes you get to a place. It actually, like I said, for me, I got a little frustrated because I was just like, why did I waste so much time being fearful and all types of things? I I love, I love, I love Billy Graham. I used to study Billy Graham. I just think he's so phenomenal. And one time he was, they were interviewing him. I want to leave the people with this and I'll share some, some things I have coming up, but I love Billy Graham. And one time they were interviewing him, Paul and Jan Crouch was interviewing him and they asked him, what are some things, you know, this was maybe a couple years before he passed, he, you know, I think he passed at almost a hundred years old or he made a right a mate, might have made right at a hundred. I can't be exact on that, but they asked him, what are some things that if you can do differently, you would do? Um, in your life. And I'm telling you, I remember he listed three things. I, I definitely remember these two. And one of them, he, he said, actually he said three. I remember them now. The one thing he said out of the three, first, he said, I would stop. I wouldn't have spent a lot of my time walking in so many fears. Mm. He said, I wish I regret that I feared a lot. And, you know, in our mind, this is like one of the greatest evangelists in the world. You know, you never see him as fearing, you know, but you know, it, 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 it caused to be great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so then he said, he wished he would have spent more time in his word, studying his scriptures and getting more of the scriptures in his heart. And he mm-hmm. said, he said, not fear as much, spend more time in the word. And it was one more thing. It was in my mind, but it slipped out. So I don't want to take 30 seconds trying to remember, but I know those, those two things, definitely. He wouldn't have spent as much time fearing. He definitely would have gotten his word more. And, um, and I think the third one was just kind of like spend more time with the Lord, you know, spend more time with the Lord. But I definitely remember those first two that always stood with me. So that's what I want to leave, leave you guys with, you know, make sure you spend time with God. Make sure that you, you know, don't spend so much time fearing. You know, we all deal with fear to some capacity. Let's just be honest. <clears throat> At some time, just don't stay in fear. You know what I mean? And um, that's a challenge for all of us. And spend some time with the Lord, get in the word, study the scriptures. It can be an exciting journey. Master your relationship with the Lord. I saw what I would leave. And on a side note, things is happening right now. Um, we have t-shirts we sell called Unapologetically Prophetic, which is, a, which is branded. And so we have t-shirts we sell and you can go to unapologeticallyprophetic.com and order t-shirts under there a brand that we have. So there's a lot of great things going on. I'll be doing, me and my husband will be like teaching at our, our apostle. He has a school of theology. He'll be kicking off this accredited next month. So I'll be teaching some theology courses, me and my husband starting off. And that, there's some very exciting opportunities that have recently arose. I'll wait and I'll be able to put, share those on my platform once we get some uh, specifics more, some dates where I'll be doing more teaching and training in the prophetic. So on, on some grander opportunities that God has opened up. So I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity because, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm just a little girl from the hood <laughs> that understood. I love what apostle, my apostle, my chief apostle proves said, he says, some things are taught and some things are caught. Yeah. <laughs> and so I finally begin to catch, catch by revelation some things and getting a little bit of a better understanding of what God has purposed me here on the earth. So those are just a few of the things um, that I have coming up. And um, I'm thankful for this opportunity, this beautiful opportunity for the 1140 glory. For those that are listening, I really want to encourage you to support Dr. Walters and all that she's doing. 
and really watch these podcasts, let them build you up and encourage you. I had a chance to see there was quite a few people that went before me, some mm-hmm. wonderful women and men of God and be on the watch, look out. I'm sure she will have something up in her sleeve real soon as the pandemic <laughs> wires down, something she'll be working on her and her wonderful husband and her beautiful parents. All right. And so I'm excited about what's going on and I'm just thankful and that you would give me this opportunity. And I pray that the people were, will be blessed when they get a chance to hear this. Absolutely. Well, we have been blessed to have you here. One last thing of how can folks connect with you? Do you have social media handles they can follow? And we'll make sure to link those in our, our blog. Yeah, sure. They can go on, they can go on Instagram. It's Dr. Lanise. It's D-R-L-A-N-I-S-E. All right, they can go on Facebook, Dr. Lanise Ministries is on Facebook. All right, my personal Facebook page um, is Lanise Reynolds. All right. Also, we have unapologetically prophetic website, just unapologetically prophetic.com. Um, you can also go to Dr. Lanise Ministries. All right, we have a contact form. You can go in there and connect as well. So, those are some places that you can go Instagram. Facebook, also Clubhouse. I, I do a little bit. I don't do do it as often as I used to just because of my schedule, but Dr. Lenise on Clubhouse as well. So those are a few places I would probably encourage you to go to Dr. Lenise Ministries because I have a direct contact area there, or, or you can also DM me um, on one of the, the Instagram or Facebook. And um, so I would love and have an opportunity to connect with some other people and see, you know, maybe if God, you know, say the same, we can connect up. I can come and minister at your conferences and different things like that. So it's a, this is great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I Absolutely. And I remember thinking as Dr. Lenise was introducing herself, I'm not sure that she mentioned that she is a prolifically published author. Um, so there are a ton of books from her as well as the Iron Tribe has an amazing book out as well that you all can go and find on Amazon and really just be able to dive in more to the things that God has been speaking to her. Well, in closing, I want to say, as always, I'm so happy that y'all could take a listen today. If you want to connect with me or 1140 Glory, then head on over to 1140glory.com. There you can find show notes under our blog, sign up for our Thank God It's Monday emails and join our online community. If there are topics that you want to hear covered here on the Truths and Promises podcast, connect with us and let us know. And lastly, if this journey of faith story has blessed you in any way at all, we want to hear about it in the comments of our show notes. And of course, don't forget to share this with one friend and one family member so that it can bless them too. All right, y'all. Until next time.